Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that everything that we need is in you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that everything that we need is in you. You said, Jesus, apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, And we we come to you and acknowledge our thanks, our, our love, our desire you know, for you. We pray that you will be at the very center of our hearts and lives and attention. We want to give you the very rightful place that you so deserve, Lord Jesus. And we thank you so much. So now, as we just um, continue to uh, worship together, to be together, we pray that you would um, cause your words to jump out of the page and reach into our hearts and minds and spirits. We thank you that all scripture is God-breathed. This isn't just another book. It isn't just a great novel. It's not just a great story. It's not just a great teaching manual. But this is God-breathed. And so we pray that you'll breathe hope and life and inspiration, miraculous inspiration and life into our hearts and lives and marriages and homes, our bodies, our minds and our spirits. And this atmosphere and this place, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, it's good... um, to see you this morning. We're going to continue. We'll be coming to a close soon on uh, a series that we've been looking at. This will probably be the last message um, uh, you know, on this, uh, the series Unselfie, how to live a selfless life in a selfie world. And uh, I just want to just continue, uh, conclude really this morning as we look at this. So, so there's going to be a little bit of overlap with some of the things that we've already said, but uh, you might be here this morning and for a first time as well. So So that's where we're going to go. If you've got a Bible with you, you might like to look at Mark chapter 8. So turn to Mark 8. And we're going to read, it's really verses 34 to 38 that I want to concentrate. But I'm going to read a little bit more to get a bit of context. Because it's really important that we get the context of this. So from verse 27 of Mark 8. Jesus and his disciples went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Verse 31, he then began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. It's important that bit. Uh, Verse 34 is what we're going to concentrate on just for a few moments uh, and onwards. Then he called the the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? 
What good would it be to climb the ladder, have the best job in the world, and yet forfeit your soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So, uh, so this morning, I just want to, um, my theme is an invitation to be unselfie. In this account, Jesus gives his followers, and he gives us today, an invitation to come and be unselfie, to live the unselfie life. And when he says, he called the crowd to himself along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. He gives an invitation to us all to live and be the unselfie life. You know, Jesus encourages us to post a different picture. I've been saying this, so, uh, you know, okay, forgive me if you've heard this before, but I say it because it's a challenge for us all. Uh, Jesus encourages us to post a different picture than the normal selfie. The picture where he is at the center of the frame, not you and I at the center of the frame of life. The picture that Jesus causes us to post in life, our lives, is that he is at the center, not you and I at the center of the frame. He, he, he doesn't want you to be a worm. He loves you. He wants to elevate you. We're going to see that. He actually says, if you give it all, you get it all. How about that? He elevates us in life. So he's not looking to destroy you, but to encourage you and to, to gift you and love you. But he is calling us to post a very different picture from the one that this world posts, where we're at the center. He wants to be at the very center of the frame. So um, when we look at the background, just a couple of moments, but when we look, and this is why we read from verse 27, um, the gist of the story is this. You know, we'll never see the true picture of God's kingdom unless Jesus is at the center of the very frame of our lives. In this story, this is, this is played out. When he comes to say, uh, he shares about, you know, following him, denying ourselves, taking up the cross, it's on the backdrop to a backstory. And it's important to just get hold of the backstory for a couple of minutes to then see the implications for our very lives. Because it says in verse 34, then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple. Then. So then something precedes the then. And it's what precedes the then that is incredibly important. Um, and, and so what we see is this. In verse 27, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? You know, it, when we look at the backstory, verse 27, look at this with me just for a moment. Jesus says to the disciples, who do you say I am? And so Peter, as Peter pipes up, says, you're the Messiah. Wow. Peter gets this amazing picture. He says, you know, you're the chosen one. You're the one to release Israel. You're the Messiah. Then, so that's, that you see that in verse 29. But it all goes belly up in a few moments. Look at this. In verse 31, then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man, the Messiah, must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law, must be killed, and after three days rise again. You know, everything that Jordan was sharing in that, in, you know, that, that whole day of, of pain and suffering, of carrying the cross, Jesus shares this incredible picture of suffering and destruction and, and, and of a day to come. And it says in verse 32, he spoke plainly about this. He really shared his heart straight forward, straight down the line. Now, and this shook the disciples up. 
because they didn't realize that this is what the Messiah had come to do. And look at this. In, 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 in verse 32, uh, it says, Then Peter, when he did that, Peter took him to the side and began to rebuke him. No. He, I, can, I can imagine him saying, No, that Messiah doesn't do that. That's not what's going to happen. You're going to come, rattle the doors, rattle the kingdom. We're all going to rise up together. The Romans are going to all fall down and, and run away. And you're going to set up a new kingdom. And we're going to have a war and we're going to win. And this is the gist of where Peter would be coming from. That's what the Jews believed the Messiah would usher in. And Jesus is saying that this is, this is a different kingdom. And, and so, so, it says that, so it says, so Peter goes from saying, you're the Messiah, but it doesn't fit Peter's agenda, you see. It doesn't fit Peter's um, preconceived ideas and, and his, his view on, on, on Jesus. And so he takes him aside and then rebukes him. And then, and then, Jesus. This is the backdrop to what we're going to now look at in the next few moments. And then it says, Jesus called them, not just the disciples, but the whole crowd. And whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's the then. And um, we will never see the true picture of God's kingdom. We'll never see Jesus unless we do it whereby he is at the center of the frame. His, not, and so, so, so look, look at, this is what he then says. He, he says, he says to Peter in verse 33, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. The self-centered life is merely human concerned. The self-centered life. And what Jesus says is you need, you need a God-centered life so that we get God's concerns. I can't stress, we've, I know we've been looking at this now for a, a little while, but this is make or break. It's on this that everything stands. The life where we are at the center, when I mean self-centered, I mean that it's me, my, and I. I have my, my view. This, this is from, a, from our point of view. And he says, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see the kingdom. You're not going to see this new kingdom. This new kingdom comes from God's view, God's agenda, God's plan, not a human plan, not a human agenda, but a God agenda. And I would say to you, as a Christian, you're not true. You can come to church. You can read the Bible. You, you, know, you, you can meet with other people. You know, I've, had, I've had discussions with, with people that want to come, come to church because they want to meet other people. But it's, that's not what it's about. It's wonderful that we meet other people. It's wonderful to be in a community. It's wonderful to be loved. That's wonderful, but that's beside the... What it's about is knowing the Father and the Son abiding and living in our lives and being right with God. That's what it's about. And we'll never know that if you are at the center and God is not at the very center of our heart. Never know. It doesn't matter what church you go to, what you believe in. You, know, whether you, could go to, you could go to Hillsong Church. And if you have got a self-life, self you're not going to see the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus shares. And so then he goes, and so, and so, look, verse 34, then, and this is so important, this final invitation, an invitation to the unselfie life is the key to knowing God, is the key to knowing Jesus. It's the, it's the very essence of us truly knowing the kingdom, freedom, blessing, love, forgiveness, hope, purpose, destiny of life in God. And he says, you'll never see this unless 
you embrace these things. And, and, and so, so, so if, if he says, he called the crowd to, to, to him and said, if you want to be my disciple. Another translation says, he called the crowd to say, if you want to come after me. Uh, the NIV translates that, if you want to be my disciple. Another translation says, if you want to come after me. And the idea there that Jesus is saying, if you want to be in a relationship with me, if you want to be in a relationship with God, if you truly want to know God, if you truly want to know and have, and have a, a living real life, living relationship with me, then, then, this is way the way to go. And so he shares three things, and uh, you'll see them there. And uh, number one, he says, you've got to deny yourself. The invitation to be unselfie, he starts like this. He says, it's there, I'm not making it up. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Um, that means this, uh, and, and this isn't one step, two step, three step. This, the next three things that we're going to look at are all together, and God will give us the strength to do this. But this is the first thing that he, he if, if, just to break it down, um, he says, the way to knowing me, the way to knowing the kingdom, the way to the unselfish life, the selfless life, is you have to deny yourself. And that means this. It doesn't mean give up a few things. So like at Lent, nothing wrong if you do do this at Lent, you give up chocolates. If you want to give up chocolate at Lent, that's fine. If I want to do it. But it's more than giving up a few things. Denying yourself isn't denying yourself of a few sweeties. The, to deny ourselves doesn't mean give up a few things or some things. It means give up yourself. Give yourself. To deny ourselves is to give ourselves to God. This is the way. This is the way for everyone to go. Doesn't matter what denomination, what persuasion, what sort of spirituality. This is what God calls for. This is what he calls. And this is what Jesus did himself. He gave up all for his father. We've been led in worship this morning with that theme. Him walking on the way to the cross. You know, and to, to give myself to God is to give the me, my and I part of me. There is in every one of us, the, it's, it's called the sinful human nature. And to, to put it basically, there's a me, my, and I. Me. My way. My ideas. Uh, it, it causes us to be earthly, not godly. And this is why Jesus said to Peter, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, merely human concerns. So Peter looked at a, a coup a king who would bring the sword. He was allowing himself to get in the way, his own concerns. And this is the danger for you, know, for you and I in our Christian walk. We, I see so many Christians not really flowing in the full benefit of the kingdom because they've allowed themselves to get in the way. This is the key to a great marriage. This is a creed, the creed. The key to a great life is to live the unselfie, is to be unselfie. And, and, and if you get this, you get everything. And this is why Jesus said, if you're going to be in a relationship with me, this is the, this is the way to go. And, um, and it literally means to, to not be self-centered, but to allow room to be Christ-centered. For Christ, for Jesus, to take central place in my heart, mind, my will. That's what it means to deny the self. It's as simple as that, and it's as challenging as that as well. And so to do that, we have to make room for him. We've got to make room. You have a new addition to your family, you make room. 
Some of us sitting in the congregation this morning had new ones, little ones added to the family. You make room. When you have grandchildren on the way, you make room. You make room. We make room. And so with God, we've got to make room. Otherwise, I repeat it, your concerns are not of God, but are mere human concerns. How much of our Christianity, look, I'll be honest, how much of our Christianity in our nation, I'm not beating myself up or us up, but the influence that the church has on our nation, how much of our concerns has been human and not God. Okay, I'll leave that with you. I'll leave it with me. Because if it's unselfy, we'll see something dynamic, miraculous, and amazing happen. Because when Jesus was unselfy, it led to a resurrection, a miracle of life from death. And this is the unselfy life leads to miracles. I could hold, we could hold a conference on miracles, pack the place out, charge them 20 pound a head. Hold a conference on being unselfy. Make it free. I'll be here, like maybe like Billy No Mates. Maybe I'm being unkind, but we're laughing, aren't we? Because we sort of know something. And, and, and do you know, but Jesus is our great model. He's the one who led the way. Not just a model, he leads the way. Not only does he lead the way, he walks in the way. Not only does he walk in the way, he walks with you and me in the way. He'll walk with us. Isn't that amazing? Hey, come on, it's great. Not just a model who's gone ahead of us and says, come over here. He actually comes beside, in, and walks with. How about that? That's the Emmanuel. So come on, we can do this together with him. This is beautiful. This is amazing. Um, so it, but it's a powerful challenge because human nature tends to go back to default setting. My human nature. Look, I became a Christian, you know, um, uh, 36 years ago. It's a long time now in my thinking. I had to struggle there to remember how long. And I go back to some of my old ways. Even though I do really love God, I love Jesus. I want to serve him with all my heart and life, more today than I've ever done. And yet, wretched person that I am at times, I go back because it's the me, my, and I in me. And so that's why Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up the cross, follow me, make room. Make, and the only way to keep going is to make room, continue to make room for him and for him to be centre, not me. And uh, that's the powerful challenge. Now, Jesus understands this and so he uses very strong words. He knows that this is going to be a powerful challenge. And so he's talking plainly. The text there says that Jesus began to speak very plainly. And when he actually says to them, you know, um, whoever wants to come after uh, 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 me must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life must lose it. He's using very, and in the original text and the way it was written, this is very strong language. Not heartless, because he loves us very much. This isn't heartless, but it's, it's powerful because he knows the challenge and it will take a life poured out and he's going to lead, he leads the way and pours himself out and says now you likewise how about this and so we're to deny ourselves uh, second thing he says there and so it's make room make room so for him and uh, by the power of the holy spirit and with the help of jesus walking with us second thing he says take up your cross jordan led us uh, and, and and said he'd been meditating on, on this the journey and the walk of the cross and everything and that, that absolutely brilliant you know sharing that and praying with us and leading us in worship this morning the worship team and and to take up the cross literally means to submit surrender sacrifice when jesus says and take up 
your cross. It literally, he's literally saying to submit, surrender, and sacrifice. Mark, the writer of this gospel, the gospel of Mark, most biblical the- theologians would believe that he's writing to the Roman believers, the church in Rome, which was thousands and thousands of people. And so he's writing for a Roman Christian audience. That's the nature. This is what uh, most... And it's interesting that in this, uh, Roman believers would understand crucifixion. The Romans used crucifixion as the ultimate form of punishment. They perfected it. It came from another part of the Eastern world, sort of Persian world. But the Romans got hold of it and thought, we can make this even more awful. So they were good at perfecting things. And uh, now, very interestingly, the Romans made a person carry their cross. This is why Jesus, you notice, in the, in the account of he had to carry his cross. Um, the Romans did this. It was the Romans who thought of this idea of making the perpetrators, usually the most awful people, would be crucified. And the Romans would have a big procession and the pe- pe- personal people being crucified had to carry their cross. The reason for this to show that they had come under full submission to Rome. Submission. It's interesting that Jesus had to carry his cross. This was something that the Romans did. This was Roman, the way Romans did, did, did this thing. So it was going to be a terrible death and humiliation and destruction, but they looked for absolute submission. And so under the pain, I mean, it was a heavy thing, you'd be struggling to... And, and so there's this understanding here of submission. So when Jesus is saying... Pick up your cross. He's saying that in your life of denial, in your life of making me center, it's going to cost. I think Mike Swinburne alluded to this when he was speaking some weeks back on this subject. It's going to cost you to submit, to surrender, to sacrifice. And uh, he's, really, Jesus is calling for total surrender to the Father's will. This morning, for you, And for me, God is looking for total surrender. Your, and it's not me saying this, look it up for yourself. He's looking for your total surrender to his will for your life. Take up your cross. He knows you very particularly and specially. And he's he's looking for total surrender to his will. It doesn't matter what church you follow or what teaching it is, but to him, we follow him. And uh, that's what he's saying there. Total surrender. Um, and uh, to the Father's will. And, and in, in that surrender, there's also got to be sacrifice. Some things have to die in us. To surrender to the Father's will, there's going to be some things that need to die. Spiritually, emotionally, released. Practically, stuff that I'm doing. Only you know. But this is what he's saying. Paul said this, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, how amazingly, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the most, Galatians 2 verse 20. It's an incredible verse. It's incredible. Paul understood the self, unselfie life when Paul had the experience of seeing Jesus and Jesus forgive him for all that he did. Paul then embraced the unselfie, the, 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 the cross. And to embrace the cross is to truly live the life of the cross. Uh, I think it was Martin Luther said that we are called to be Crucians, not just Christians, but Crucians, the crucible, the cross, to embrace the cross. 
Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that. We're Christians. We've got to lift the cross, surrender, sacrifice. It, I mean, that, that, that does not make, make, make you for a popular person to say that. And it, it might not be a popular teaching, but it's exactly what Jesus is saying. If you're truly going to see it. This is what he was saying to Peter. Peter, your concerns are, are man concerns. You, you're not God concerns. This is why you're saying this. Get behind me, Satan. You know, Satan's got hold of you. Uh, if we're truly to know, if we're truly to know God working, everyone said, do you want God to work in your life? Yes, please. Do you, do, you want to have a, do, you, do you want to live a life where you can know? Yes, please. If we're to know God, then we've got to follow the, submit our lives and give ourselves totally in sacrifice to him. Um, uh, a Christian writer called A.W. Pink said this, taking up the cross means a life voluntarily surrendered to God. Voluntarily, you and I surrender our lives totally to God. I, what does that mean for you? Don't, don't tell me. What does that mean for you? What does that mean to you today? Finally, so deny ourselves, take up our cross. Something's got to give. Something's really got to give. I tell you what, in our nation, something's got to give. You know, a whole thing with Brexit and leadership campaigns and politics and new politics. There's that, but there's also the church. Something's got to change. Something's got to give for all the renewals that we've had. Something's really got to give. He says this, follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Right, moving on. Follow me. In our faith, we, this is what Max, a great writer, Max Lucado, Christian writer, I like the way that he writes. He's got a great way of encapsulating spiritual truth, Max Lucado. And he says this on discipleship. He said, um, in our faith, we follow someone's steps. Jesus, obviously. In our faith, we follow someone's steps. And in our faith, we leave footprints to guide others. It's the principle of discipleship. It's a brilliant. Lucado is a great, he has a great spiritual perception. Lots of other Christian writers. He's just one of them. But uh, In our faith, we follow someone's steps. That's what Jesus, obviously. In our faith, we leave footprints to guide others. It's the principle of discipleship. And I'd add this to that for my pennyworth. It's only worth a penny, by the way. But listen to this. If we're not following him, we won't leave Christ-shaped footprints. If you and I are not following Jesus, we will not leave Christ-shaped footprints. There'll be no discipleship. There'll be no one to follow us. If we're not following him, we should be making followers of others as well. And if we're not following him, there's going to be no Christ-shaped footprints. And that's what we're called to. And that's the crisis in the church. You know, one of the things, I I came back from an Elam Leadership Summit, which used to be called Elam Conference. One of the great things that's happening in Elam at the moment is this idea of discipleship. Discipleship. Every denomination is grappling with what is a disciple. And Lucado gets it. In our faith, we follow someone's footsteps. And in our faith, we leave footprints to guide others. It's the principle of discipleship. And this is what Jesus said. Follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Intentionally give attention to me. Now follow me. Now follow me. But that's intentional. I tell you what, we'd have a revival. If, if some of us as Christians gave as much attention to following Jesus as some of the other stuff that we follow, and follow us on our Facebook page... We'd have a revival, I'm telling you. And um, Jesus calls us to follow 
him. How beautiful is that? Now look at this. With this we'll close. And then he adds something at the end, a paradox. This is paradoxical, but it's the upside down kingdom. And uh, he then says this. In, in all of that, for whoever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. If you lose your life for Jesus, you'll save it. But if you try and cling on to your life for yourself, you lose everything. The world in which we live would say, get it, gain it, keep it. Jesus says, spend it all. Spend your life. Give it all to me. How amazing is that? When we give it all to him, we can get a bit worried and upset. Am I going to be a doormat? Everyone going to walk over me? He says, no. He says, when you give it all away, you'll gain everything. Hope, forgiveness, freedom, life, marriage, job, relationship with God, at one with him. Everything falls into place. We, we won't need special seminars on this and special seminars on that. We do need seminars. There's nothing wrong with seminars, by the way. We do lots of seminars. But if we get this bit right, the very centre of our hearts being Christ-centred, the unselfie life is the key to knowing the kingdom of God in our hearts and lives. And this morning, he's calling us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow him, give it all, and then an amazing thing will happen. He gives you so much more in return. Something I learned a long, long time ago, I can never outgive God. I, I, I say this all the time. When I have a gloomy day and I think my life I should deserve and nobody knows and I've not got, I then tell myself, but I can't outgive you, Jesus. You give so much more. He gave his whole life for you and me so that we could live for him. Let's give it all. Come on, let's pray. The worship team could come back. That'd be great. We're going to close as we, we, we worship and sing this morning. But I want to challenge you this morning, just for this moment. Will you lose your life so that you'll save it? We, if we lose our lives, we'll save it. But if we keep hold of our life, we'll lose it. What are you doing that's taking you away from God? Is there anything that's got your life more than Jesus? You know, is there anything holding you? Are you holding it? Let it go. Let go and let God. Only you know and only he knows. Is there a worry? Is there a concern? Is there a habit? Is there a pastime? I don't know. Is there something that we called this today to give him? Maybe it's a re-giving of our lives afresh and saying, this is my life, Lord. Take me. It might be as simple as that and as challenging as that. Today, it, we, we would call it a rededication. This is my life, Lord. Take me. For others of us, it might be something very specific. We think, oh my word, this is, this is consuming me. I give, you the, I give you it all. Whatever it might be this morning, let's give him our all. Heavenly Father, we come to you with hearts that we want to open. We come to you with hearts that we seek to open. I'm not going to hold on and clench my fists, but I'm going to let go Open my hands. How amazing is that? When you hold on to everything and you clench your fists, but when you let go, your hands open. And then Jesus says this, if you lose it all, you'll save it. If you give it all, you'll gain it. How amazing is that? When the hands are open, you're then in a position to receive everything from him. But if we hold on with clenched fists, 
no matter how much he gives, we'll never receive. So many people wanting to receive, receive, but that we're holding on and we're held by stuff. And so this morning, let's rededicate. Let's submit. Let's give our lives to him, to Jesus. Would you receive our lives, Lord Jesus, this morning? Perhaps for some of us, for many of us, it's a rededication. It's saying, I'm giving you my life afresh. Take it all. I want to live for you. I'm opening up my hands. Some of us have been hurt. Some of us are worried. And so we've gone into our shell. We're we're, we're holding on to something. I'm going to let go. Open up my hands and let you. Some of us are stuff that's in the way. It's no, not much room for you, Jesus. So right now in my heart, I'm going to put some stuff aside, lay it at your feet, give it to you, make room. We're going to let go this morning, Father God, and let you. Would you take our church, take, our, take this place, all of your people, I give you my life. I give you my all. I love you, Jesus. Thank you that you paid the price. You're raised to eternal life. And the same with me. As I let go, you raise me, you release miracles in me, and I get so much more. stand together shall we if you can you'd like to you can remain seated if it's not so comfortable it's fine I'm going to encourage you to if we lift our hands to heaven let's open our hearts I want to say if you want to rededicate yourself this morning do it now as we sing dedicate yourself You know, 36 years ago, no, 34 years ago, in a Bible college room in Nantwich, Cheshire, I remember praying, you know, if I, if I get through college, if I, I, I'm going to give you my whole life, everything, Lord, everything, everything. It was a very powerful experience on that. I was at college studying at that time, and I didn't know where my life would go. I didn't, wasn't sure. I didn't know many people. Quite a shy, retiring character. I still am a bit like that. Um, And I found it hard to relate to lots of people. I remember saying to God, wow, I felt a flood of the Spirit of God. See, when you give it all, He gives you so much more. Come on, let's rededicate. I I feel that for some of us, for many of us, and I don't say this in a bad way because I rededicate on a regular basis. (laughs) Come on. Let's do it. Give our lives to him. Thanks, guys. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart. There's a very famous um, revival that happened in our nation. It's called the Welsh Revival.
It started with a young man of about 20 years of age called Evan Roberts and a whole bunch of other young people. Um, and basically, the foundations of that were based around this. Um, a message shared about the cross and submission. And Evan Roberts, in a meeting, there's a whole long story, there's a lot more to it than this, but this is the gist of it, ends up falling over the pulpit in front of him, saying, bend me, God, bend me. I submit, I'm submitting to you, bend me. The rest is history. The Holy Spirit was poured out in such an amazing way. Over 100,000 people became Christians over the next few months. But it all came out of submission and yielding and giving, the unselfie life. It's just, they didn't have selfies in those days, and they used a different language. Now, I would say this to us. I feel that we are on the cusp of something different in our nation if we can embrace the unselfie, the submitted, the giving, the yielded. And I had a bit of a picture, and it's this. Clearing out the attic. When you clear out the attic and you find stuff that you think, oh, I've seen, I've had that for a long time. Didn't realize I had that. And there are some of us this morning who've got stuff in our lives that we've had a long time, and it's not who you are. And it gets in the way. And it's like, you need a good clear of the attic. And the clearing of the attic is, I'm giving you my all. Can't keep this back and keep that back. Some people like to keep everything and end up with all the stuff. There's time to get rid of it all, as it were, and start afresh and anew. And that's the renewal that comes with the unselfie life, the life that says, I'm going to give you my all. And you can't say, well, I'll think about it. Not. You either do or you don't. You can't say, well, I'll, oh, well, I'll go on then. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's a rush. It's I'm, everything, everything, everything. And then Jesus says, I give you everything. Wow. Wow. Do you know, in, in this place, you are, there are miracles. I can, as I look at you, you are miracles in your lives, in our lives. Honestly, I'm not just saying that. I really believe that it comes only as we give our all. So, Father God, would you just see our hearts and lives this morning? And as we're opening up in different ways, I just pray for anyone that feels that there's habits die hard, old attitudes, areas. I just pray that as we, this week, give to you, you bring release and healing. Pray that as people rededicate their lives to you, there comes a fresh release and a new sense of faith. And Holy Spirit, you will just be released in a fresh way in hearts and lives. And in this place and in in the life of a church here and, and in this town and the other churches, we pray for a release, a fresh release of your spirit, your selfless, selfless, selfless spirit, Jesus. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Let there be a release of grace and mercy. It's not something we have to try hard at, beat ourselves up over, but you pour out a spirit of grace. You encourage, you encourage, you get amongst us and encourage us. And I pray you get amongst and encourage people, one to another, each to another, to live glorious lives for you, Lord God, we pray. In your mighty name we ask. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing day.